Welcome to the High Impact Man podcast. High impact men from across the nation sharing their stories of inspiration, encouragement, and hope to help others become the virtuous leaders they are called to be and that our nation desperately needs. Okay, so for all you listeners out there, uh, some of you know, and those who don't know, uh, this podcast we developed just to bring guys on to tell their stories, uh, to help hopefully, as the intro says, encourage and motivate, inspire other guys, uh, just through hearing the stories of, of other guys who are what we call high impact men, who are having a good positive impact on uh, the people that, uh, that they have influence over. Uh, in F3 land, we call that the concentrica. And, uh, and we're looking for, you know, guys with stories. And uh, the, the podcast uh, sinks, or swims, ba- sinks or Swims, usually, on, on uh, our guests and their stories, because that's what it's all about. Uh, Dialop and I try to stay out of the way, usually, uh, as much as we can, and uh, let the guys tell their stories. And so finding guys uh, that we consider high-impact men with compelling stories, right, things like that, um, is always a little bit of a challenge, although we've been pretty blessed to find a lot of guys so far out there that have been high impact men. And, uh, but today, this episode, I thought, you know what? I got a guy sitting right next to me, every podcast, who's a high impact man. He's looking right, right around right now to see who else who it could be, but it can't be anybody else because we are the only two here. That is true. Spielberg is off gallivanting again, uh, across state lines, uh, he tells us where he's going, but we're not sure if it's true. You know, we don't know what he's doing. I either. think he's got dates set up. Dates set up. States. Yeah, I think so. He's <laughs> we were right the last time we we were. You were had yeah. suspicions. Yeah, we got absolutely. a text from him as he was editing the materials, and he's like, yeah. oh, "You guys are right." I know, I know, you were right. Yeah. Uh, well, he's a young man of twenty-two, and he's single, and he's looking for um, some companionship. So anyway, Dial Up is my usual partner in this. I am Nevin Gorky. I'm your host. Uh, my name is D-Fib in the gloom with my F3 brothers. And uh, Dial Up, Troy Klinger, is my co-host who is now going to wear many hats today because he is uh, the co-host, but he's also running the soundboard because uh, Spielberg is MIA once again from the Nan Cave. But Troy Klinger, a.k.a. Dial Up, a.k.a. Jackie Legs, AKA also the uh, first FQ for the F3 Susquehanna Valley region, uh, weasel shaker, teacher, coach, leader at home and at work. Uh, he is a high impact man. And we're going to learn about dial up today. What do you think, buddy? I don't know. Am I going to get triple to pay? Maybe quadruple. Quadruple? Yeah, I'm thinking. We'll see how you see how, you yeah. know, how it goes. For yeah. listeners, just know that I don't get paid anything. So <laughs> zero times three is zero. Zero times four is zero. Yes. We could yes. go on and on and on. Yeah, maybe, maybe 10 times your <clears throat> salary. But I have to say, I don't get paid any more than you do. That is true. That is true. We all are equal pay here. That's right. Equal pay for, for equal. <laughs> it's all out of <laughs> love and passion. For right. Yeah. Let men share their stories. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not about us, but it is about you today. So um, welcome to the guest side. You're still sitting in the same chair right next to me, but welcome I'm, to the guest side of the show. I'm more nervous though than I've ever been you know, I for thought, the show. I thought you might be. It's different. Yeah. Provides a little anxiety. I'm, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. But as always, even though I know Dial-Up pretty well, I uh, asked him to supply a bio. So we got some uh, some information from him, uh, including some crazy stories about his high school. But uh, So we're going to go there. But you guys need to know that uh, everything I just said is true, okay? Uh, teacher, coach, uh, Sunday school teacher, that's where he, he was teacher, deacon at our local church, um, leader at work in uh, information technology area, electro- electronic medical record, a very large medical institution, 
He's stressed out because they're going uh, on another big project they're trying to get done. Um, but he made time to be here tonight, and uh, we're going to have him tell his story. So first of all, you know, for the guys involved with F3, they're going to want to know, uh, how'd you get involved with F3, who EH'd you, and how'd you get your name? All right. Well, that's pretty easy. So obviously, you EH'd me. We probably talked about that on I previous think episodes, did, yeah. I would think. And so, yeah, my story is you were, uh, you know, you went down and you did your little thing in Florida for a little while. Um, and you greatly missed all your friends back home. Yes. And you came back. I did. And uh, you had had a little little glimpse of uh, F3 down in uh, Sarasota. With Bing and the Boys. With yeah. Bing and the Boys, who's been on this show. And you came back and you're like, dial up. Or, well, at that point you said, brother. Yeah. Right? Yep. We got to start F3. Yeah. And I'm like, what is it? And actually, I think you had called me previously while you were still living down there. Yep. <clears throat> you know, you, you'd shared you were lonely, right? And so... Some days you'd be sitting in traffic and I'd get that call from you and you had shared what F3 was all about and it certainly sounded exciting mm-hmm. and like a really cool thing. And when you came back, it's, uh, you know, it was just something you wanted to get going. And so you reached out and as, as usual, when you ask me to, to do something and to come on board, I, I never say no. No, you and haven't yet. You haven't turned me down yet. I haven't yet. That's right. <laughs> now, for those of you who don't know, that involves uh, soccer coaching. Yeah. Uh, taking over as a teacher of a Sunday school class. Yeah. Um, Tuesday night, we did something called the Forge, Forge Men's yeah, Group. That's right. right. Forgot about along, that one. Yeah. Came along with me on that. F3 and the podcast. Yeah. So we're five for five there. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. so here we are. So anyway, so yeah, I was like all in. Like, let's do this. And uh, thought it was a great idea. And I, for me, it came at a, a really good time. Yeah, I don't, We might have got into this later, but yeah, I'll just go ahead and share it now. So you know, for me, I was in that usual pretty classic sad clown syndrome that um that we've talked about on here sometimes and is, is certainly out there in the in the free free to lead book that uh you know that that thing that hits just a lot of guys in life they start getting busy with work they get busy raising families and and before you know it they you know don't have a real good circle of friends i i think personally i had a i had a pretty good circle of friends still yeah uh through the various men's uh, men's groups that I was involved with, with church, um, and had a pretty good circle of, of, of friends even outside of that. But from a fitness, um, or wellness perspective, definitely had let myself slide. Um, I had moved to a job where, um, I was pretty sedentary mm-hmm. compared to my, my previous job. So sitting on my keister for eight, nine, ten hours a day, not really doing a whole lot, uh, except for snacking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the weight, the weight kind of crept on and, uh, you know, before you knew it, I was, you know, I worked in cardiology for a lot of years and quite honestly, when I was looking in the mirror and, and, and doing a little self-reflection, I had become that classic patient that I had, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, wow, I gained all this weight. My diet was not very good. My blood pressure was high. My cholesterol was cr- uh, creeping up and my, my, my life and body were going in the wrong direction. My health was going in the wrong direction and, you know, easily could have been, you know, what used to be one of my patients coming in, having a heart attack or having a stent, having bypass surgery, whatever it might be. And I didn't like what I saw and I didn't like what I was becoming. And so F3 came at the perfect time and said, yeah, let's do this. Let's, let's, you know, get moving in the right direction again. Let's start eating a little healthier and and let's get uh, physically fit and active again. Uh, so yeah, so that's how I got involved and the name, I guess you guys named me dial up. I thought for sure it was going to be something related to Forrest Gump or something like that. Cause Porky's had hinted at that, but I guess dial up came because of, uh, you know, that old internet technology mm-hmm. where, um, kids, you might have a hard time believing this if you're under the age of like what 30, but we used to have to do this little 
internet connection thing that would make all these funny (laughs) sounds. And, you know, like 30 seconds later, you would just be connected to the internet, right? Mm -hmm. And then you would click on a picture and like two minutes later, that picture would download. Uh, But anyway, so that was called Mm dial-up connections for your internet. And so since I was an IT and an older guy, I guess dial-up it was. And dial up it remains. Yeah. Although you are also now Jackie Lakes. I, th- I think it's also yeah. dial up because I, I dial up some good workouts for you us. You do. I you think, do. I yeah. think. Make you all suffer. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, yeah. but Jackie Legs is fine too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's That came from his wife. For yeah. those of you who missed that episode with our wives, that <laughs> came from his wife. Old Jackie Legs. Jackie Legs. Uh, and that led to, uh, you know, we can talk about this later, but that leads to at least a two or three time a year uh Debate, shall we say, uh, amongst our packs between you and another exercise physiologist on weightlifting versus running the jack legs <laughs> versus the squatter legs, and yeah, yeah shout out to my brother Half Thor out there. He, yeah. you know, he he's 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 an ex, he's a master's prepared exercise physiologist as well, and we just we have a little different perspective on things, but it's yeah, it's fair, it's compassionate. We have good debate, good discussion. Yeah, yeah. There's actually I know um, I'm right and he's wrong. Of course but, you do. Yes. Yeah. So I I, I I actually this morning was reading. Um, the most recent thing put up our art of manliness. It's not always a podcast. Sometimes he puts out a, like an essay or whatever mm-hmm. on conditioning and it was really good. And I was going to copy it and send it to the gang, but I, I haven't done that yet. Well, I think you uh, should, if it supports the cause. Well, I, I won't tell you because <laughs> frankly, I didn't read the whole thing yet, but, yeah. <laughs> but what I read of it, which was most of it is really good. So the difference between anaerobic and aerobic conditioning, et cetera. Uh, Cause he, that, that was a guy, uh, the guy that was our manliness podcast, whose name I can't remember, but anyway, uh, he was into wet lifting heavy weights, and uh, but he get winded if he had to walk up a hill, you know that kind of thing. And so yeah. he got he contacted some people, I guess a coach he had, a trainer or whatever, and then they started doing conditioning. And he went into a, not deep science about it, but anyway, hey, I don't think he went into longevity reasons yet, or you know longevity yeah. issues with it. But but I did I did just off the topic. I met with Half Thor last night. He was doing his jujitsu last night, and I was getting my hair cut right down the road. And he said, "Hey, you want to meet?" Um, afterward, it was like eight o'clock. So I met him at old forge and we hung out for like half an hour or whatever, 40 minutes. And, yeah. uh, yeah, and he, and, uh, I mentioned the, uh, uh, the 102 year old that we ran across. We'll talk <laughs> about that. I'm sure today at the Tussie 50 miler and, yeah. and how you mentioned that that was a, a proof of longevity of a, that's of right. A he was definitely legger. a Jackie legger. He wasn't a squatty legger. He, he said to me, did you ask him if he squatted? <laughs> no, we did not. So I think he only squatted to get up from his chair or get up from the toilet. Would be my guess. <laughs> quite possible, quite possible. Well, anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, as you guys out there in F3 land and you understand the leadership principles uh, behind what Dread put out in QSource and those kind of things, or even if you haven't read that and you're not familiar with that, if you're familiar at all with leadership or how things get started and, and, uh, and get running and, and do well, uh, obviously... It takes more than one guy. So a shared leadership team is is necessary. I was that dancing idiot uh, initially. Shirtless but didn't, dancing Shirtless idiot. dancing idiot, yeah. which didn't take long for you and some other guys to come along and and, uh, and we get this thing rolling up here in, in the Susquehanna Valley. So we've been blessed to have you uh, ever since then. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But right now, I'm going to roll back time to take you back to your upbringing. You gave me your bio. I know you grew up in Center Hall, right? Center Hall? Yeah, a little town of Center Hall. Yeah. Center Hall. Guess where that is in the state? The center. It's in the center. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a what? A couple miles from State College. Yeah, it's about 20, 25 minutes east of State College. Yeah, so State College. In the shadows of <clears throat> Happy Valley, which 
the time of this podcast is not so happy right now. Yeah, just got killed by Michigan. Yeah, they got a, they got a pretty good butt whooping, but uh, yeah. it's still Happy Valley. It's a good it's a good place. But yeah, grew up in uh, Center Hall, PA, little small little town. One, I guess they have two red lights. Yeah, um, lived at, lived actually just outside of town as a uh, as a young man, and I think when I was about tenth grade, maybe ninth grade, my uh, my mom and, and stepdad, they, they bought some land and we moved actually out to the mountains a little further outside of town. And, uh, we were out in the woods, like a, it was like a mile to the nearest Macadam road. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, it was, it was pretty cool, but you know, growing up small town, USA, pretty, pretty typical, you know, we, um, spent a lot of time just hanging out with your buddies, going house to house, depending on what was going on that day. We, uh, I think I put in my bio, you know, we rode our BMX bikes mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. Like it was, it was nothing to ride our BMX bikes miles and miles and miles, you know, just to go get some ice cream, go get a, go get a soda. We used right. to ride over to Collier Lake where we were this weekend, actually. Yes. yes. Uh, we'd ride over there and you, you might not have heard this story actually, cause I think you were running during this leg, but we'd ride over to Collier Lake where, where you had handed or off, handed to, off me to you yeah. during our relay this weekend. We would ride our bikes over there and it's probably like a four or five mile bike ride. And you know, on a, on a BMX bike, that's a, that's a pretty good hoof. Yeah. We would, we would go to the top of the hill on the other side of the lake from where we were. Uh And there was a huge, huge hill that we would come down and you could go right down the boat ramp. Fly off the boat ramp. And so we would come flying down off that hill, down, down the boat ramp, hit the, hit the water and go flying out over the handlebars. And we would do that a whole bunch of times. And once we got tired of that and bored, we'd ride our bikes back home. By the time we got our bikes back home, uh-huh. the bearings were like shot because oh, the water right. had like <laughs> like sucked all the grease out of the bearings. And so we'd spend the rest of the day rebuilding the the bearings in our bikes, and then we would just do the same thing again, you know, a few days later. So for those of you who are under what forty years old, maybe this is how we played. Yeah, when we were young, right? Yeah, we didn't sit in front of a <laughs> computer console or a tv screen and play video games although that came later i did play yeah. some video games but it wasn't the same as <laughs> the now. atari 2600 baby atari right yeah and then <laughs> nintendo baby well when nintendo came out that was huge yeah i was in college whenever that came out i yeah. think but so uh, uh we were you know th- but that's what we did we went outside and did crazy things like that I, I had this discussion with my son not too long ago and we talked about the fact that like back in the day we didn't have cell phones or anything to figure out where our buddies were hanging out no you went to see where kids bikes were right right yep and so it, if you, if, you, if you went looking some usual spots, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 You knew there was usual spots and you just, if you, if you wanted to go find your buddies yeah, and you hadn't made arrangements to meet anywhere, you got in your bike and you just rode and you went from spot to spot to spot. And yeah. when you saw the bikes, Hey, there's, that's where everybody's at. Right. And yeah, so exactly. that was the hangout spot for the current time. Likewise, if, if you were trying to hide from your buddies, <laughs> right, you'd have to hide your bikes out behind the house or something like that. Yep. So maybe anybody that you didn't want to be with you. Yeah, could, the, the area I grew up wasn't, wasn't quite as rural as where you were. It was a small town, but you know, we all lived pretty close to each other. So we could go to each other's houses pretty easily. And uh, just we didn't even knock on the door. We'd just, say, we'd just say, like, my cousin lived next to me. His name was Dave. I'd say, hey, Dave, just yell. And he'd come yeah. out. You know, that kind of thing. So, but anyway, yeah, that was how we, that's how, that's how we rolled. Back that's then. right. That's how we rolled. We were the cool kids. Yeah. So I think, you know, since you brought it up, we should, might as well just jump in and talk about uh, the Tussie 50. Uh, we'll get back to your high school days. We're going to be all over the place. Today. We are. We're going to be all over the place. That's, but that's okay. There's no yeah. script. Um, so we ran what's called the Tussie 50 this past weekend. It's a one day, 50 mile uh, endurance relay. You could have as many as eight guys. So we had eight guys from, well, eight, seven guys from our packs, but Uno from down in, um, 
Somerset. What's the name of the? Uh, Laurel Highlands. Laurel Highlands. Thank you. Uh, just planted a shovel flag down there. We, our buddy Uno joined us to make an eight-man team. Uh, and f- so four guys had one leg and four of us had two legs of the race. But it was in uh, Dial-Up's old stomping grounds, some of the trails that he ran when he was uh, young. And I could tell you, he's talking about BMX into the lake and all these miles. They weren't flat. A little hilly. That was a bit hilly, yeah. yeah so hilly. Uh, so we ran it, and uh, and it, we had a blast. I mean, it was such a, you know, you, anybody who's done these things like the Blue Ridge Relay and stuff like that, you, you just know what it's like to be with a bunch of guys in the van, you know, all day long, you know, traveling around, dropping one guy off to run, and and then uh, and picking up the last guy and, you know, that kind of stuff. And just we just had fun. Um, you know, of course, Chad Powers thing happened recently. So <laughs> we were yelling out the windows to guys, you know, think fast, run fast. And, you know, and, and at the end, uh, what did they say to you? Good music blaring. Good music out blaring. Out the window yeah. as well. Yeah. So some, some, one of the guys that was on another relay team, he stopped and he, he asked what F3 was all about. So I was, I was sharing with him, you know, kind of what F3 uh, is, you know, mm. what the components of it are. And he's like, you guys just brought the hype. Yeah. Uh, he goes, and the vibe, he goes, I just love what you guys were, were, were putting out. And yeah. so it was, it was cool to hear. And we, uh, we, we had fun. Yeah. We had a lot of fun. And we encouraged and supported everybody. Like we were, we yeah. were picking up a lot of sixes, right? Not just yeah. our six, yeah, right? Exactly. Not just yeah. the six from our van, but we were picking up the sixes for everybody, just encouraging and supporting all the folks that were out there. Cause everybody was, you know, doing something hard. Yeah. Uh, no yeah. one was out there. It's like, oh, this is easy. Like every like there's people doing a 50 mile solo. There were guys yeah. doing and ladies doing 50K solo. And then there are all these various teams. And so like everybody needs encouragement. You know, there was, yeah. it was tough terrain that they were covering. And I think I shared with you this morning. The cool thing that I noticed was that when we started in the exchange zones, everybody would clap as each person came in. Right. Yeah. OK, that's the nice thing to do. But as <clears throat> as we were running each of our legs, the only like the only van that would like pass us as we were running that would cheer for us was like our own van. Our own van, yep. Right? We we'd cheer for our own guy as we were passing. But we were cheering for everybody. And the thing I noticed is by the end of the relay, mm. maybe they were just doing it for us because we were cheering and encouraging everybody that they're like, Hey, there's those F three guys. Let's cheer for them really right. loud. Like they've been doing for us. But like almost every van that passed me on my last leg. Yeah. Slowed down, rolled down the window, yelled, cheered. Right. And gave you some encouragement. Girls taking their shirts by. off. It was crazy. It was Shh, anarchy. Shh, no, don't no. tell my wife that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's absolutely He's true. He's joking about that part. But <laughs> yeah, they no, were cheering and encouraging Yeah, us, they were, yeah. Which was cool. So I think it was contagious, quite yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 it seems that way because I had the same experience. My first leg, I didn't have anybody cheering for me. Yeah. I ran the second leg overall out of 12 legs. Yeah. And, uh, and then I had the 10th leg. And it was a big difference. Yeah, and we, we had several other folks ask us about F3 because we, I mean, we had our flag. Yeah. And so at each exchange zone, we had the flag and we'd fly it through. And then unlike any other team, like everybody else, just they just finished, right? They, right. they came in for the last leg and they just ran down to the finish line. We we truly picked up the six. We waited for uh, Boss Hog to come rolling in. Yeah. And we all ran as a group down through. We gave the, him the flag to carry home. Gave and- him the flag and we ran down to the finish line as, yeah. a, as a group. And yeah. I think that caught a lot of people's attention. And yeah, a lot of folks were asking us about this. I think it was also our unique name. Yes. That we did a, we did a little word play. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, was, it was kind of a fun name. And I think it got some folks' attention and curiosity peaked. But that's, what we, that's why we did it, right? Yeah. And uh, if you to listen to the podcast with our wives, uh, you know that one of our wives somewhat affectionately calls us <laughs> the Effers. <laughs> So she asked her husband, are you on the phone with the Effers again? <laughs> so uh, so we adopted that name for our team name, and we were the Effers. Of course, we had new T-shirts made up. Uno made them. 
the F'ers, but I had a little guy carrying the F3 flag on, on the shirt with the F'ers underneath it and it had our own name on the back. So yeah. I got, you know, DFib on the back, you had dial up. And then we wore all of our F3 apparel as right. well yes. to, to make folks kind of see the correlation between the two. But yeah, and then we did a name rama right at the finish line in we front did. of everybody. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. It was really cool. Uh, I said, I want to know how many people, I, I bet you there were some Google hits uh, from folks so. that were in the, in the so. relay. And we yeah. even had a guy at the first exchange zone I think it was the first, yeah, it was the first exchange zone, right? Second one, first or second. Uh, anyway, he's like, he, he, he saw our name and then I think one of us had F3 or hat, or I think I had my shirt on or something like that. He's like, wait, F3. He goes, oh, the New York times. Yeah. He's yeah. like, are you guys, he goes, is that the, like the fitness and faith yeah, thing yeah, or yeah. something like that? I yeah. read about it in the New York times. Right. Yeah. Uh, so there it is. You know, right. that, that was really cool. I think for him to, to read about it and yeah. then like, holy cow, here's this group. Yeah, and there are people from around that came, so not everybody was from the area, from the State College area because the one team we were talking to initially at the end were from the Westchester Philly area. Yeah. We're telling the guys there, hey, there's an F3 group there. So yep. F3 Philly, if you're getting some guys show up that uh, they tell you they found out about uh, F3 at the Tussie Mountain uh, relay, that was us. Yeah, and State College is a great town to, oh, man, to plan be, a they, shovel. They need, they that could need be, a region there. That could be a huge yes. region up there. I Absolutely. Mean, that is ripe for the pickings up there for someone to plant a shovel flag. Yeah, so. yeah. They have so many, so many AOs they could have there. Yep. Incredible. Now, the one thing about the run this weekend was uh, the fall foliage was at its absolute peak on Sunday, I think. Yeah. It was gorgeous. We're running through a state forest, and so they're gravel roads. But it's almost like a canopy that you're running through of trees with all these vibrant colors and then these vistas at the top of the mountain and stuff. And it was just beautiful. I mean, even in the, the as much pain as I was in when I was running, I, I did I did uh, even, you know, at times I'm just looking around when I'm running thinking, this is just gorgeous. Yeah. That couldn't, yeah. be, couldn't have been a better day. Good job, God. So that was good. <laughs> uh, and we finished 19 out of 36 of the seven to eight person teams. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Second out of the eight all men, eight man teams. Yeah, not bad. Out of, should we say? Yeah. More than two. More than two? Yeah. We were second out of more than two. <laughs> and, and we would have beaten all but three of the individual guys doing the 50 three, milers. Three individual 50 That's milers crazy. beat us. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And we ran nine minute mile overall. That's right. not terrible. Over over some pretty good hills. Yeah. DFib brought the brought the pace down. But hey, nine minute mile. It's all good. Three guys beat a nine minute mile for 50 miles. What do you say? There's runners There's runners, and then there's men the guys who run. Guys that run, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's all good, and we were a mixed team, and we 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 were out to have fun. Yeah, I, we were there to bring the hype and bring encouragement. Absolutely, to, and I feel, if I feel this way, uh, I'm definitely uh, definitely able to do the BRR next year, and I could train better for it because I wasn't able to train for this one as well as I'd like to. And part of that training is losing another 15, 20 pounds. So uh, I'm on I'm on the road, baby. All right. Um, yeah. So let's go back to your uh, to your high school days. You got in high school, Penns Valley High School. Dial ups going to Penns Valley High School, and. Uh, uh, during his time there, somebody changed the high school name briefly. <laughs> yeah, funny story. So, and some of the guys heard this this weekend, but anyway, so yeah, so the story is like this. So there was a group of guys called the, they called themselves the High Mountain Rangers. So these were a bunch of guys, they were two years older than I was, and they were all into spelunking and uh, rappelling and rock climbing, all that adventurous kind of stuff. That's the High Mountain Rangers, right? Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> they they decided for a senior prank to... Uh, climb up onto the roof of the school and come to the front of what is the auditorium. So it was like this kind of taller section of the school. And on the front of the school were big, large metal letters that, that had the school name. So Penn's Valley area mm-hmm. high school. Well, if you can use your imagination, if you take the the second N in Penn's Valley or in Penn's, and if you cut off 
all the letters to the right of that first little, you know, vertical, vertical yep. up and down piece, yeah. it spells a beautiful penis valley. Penis Valley High School. Area High School. Yeah, Penis Valley Area High School. And so so it was known as Penis Valley Area High School for a day or so until they <laughs> until they hung a tarp down over the front of the school to cover it up. The best thing is is they they did it overnight. I can't remember whether it was like a they did it like Sunday and the Monday or what it was, but they had done it overnight and like Almost the entire day had went by mm-hmm. and nobody had noticed. I was going to say, how long did it take for somebody to Nobody notice? had noticed. It actually took one of the guys that was the culprit. Hey, look at that. To act stupid yeah. down in like this kind of public common uh-huh. common area that we had that folks, there was like a soda machine and a juice machine. Like people would just hang out there during study halls. If they had a hall pass, you get out of class, get down there, hang out and lounge. He like played dummies and he's like, holy cow look at the front of the school that says penis valley and like <laughs> immediately then like word spread like mm-hmm. wildfire and by the end of the day and this is like probably 12 31 o'clock in the afternoon and so then at some point they hung a tarp down over the front <laughs> the front of it that covered up and they they never found out who it was to like, this day to this day like some of us knew mm-hmm. like I, I i knew who it was because they they just happened to be on the the cross-country team and track mm-hmm. team and i'd would work out with them. So they had let it slip, but it, it stayed secret all these years. And, uh, I, I mean, the, the, the words out now, um, it was kind of funny. I, it, it was probably 15 years later. Um, the one guy I'll just, we'll just call him Joe. Uh, cause that's <laughs> Names his first, have been changed that's his first, no, that's his first oh, name. Okay. We won't give him the last name. So Joe puts out on Facebook, just simply a picture of the end that they had cut off. And just said, like, if you know, you know. <laughs> and, and that was it. So he it was, still had the rest of the end. <laughs> so it was really cryptic. Yeah, so he'd kept it all these years. And when I saw it, I just, like, totally lost it and busted out. And uh, it became a pretty commented on post on, on Facebook. And it was amazing to see some of the teachers that mm-hmm. had taught there at that time and are now retired and, like, yeah. he's friends with on Facebook. They were, a lot of them commented, like, I had no idea that that was, that was you. <laughs> and immediately, as soon as they knew who... You know, he was involved, and they knew who his accomplices, his, yeah. who his accomplices were, because of, his cronies. Of, because of the posse that he hang out, hung out with. But yeah, good story. Good. So story. when you were uh, you were in high school, you you uh, ran cross country, played basketball, and wrestled. And you, no so, wrestled. I thought. Oh no! Forgive me. Yeah, that's another guy's bio. Oh, we're true. recording later today. Oh, we'll tr- tonight. We'll, well trust yeah. me. So yeah. so my all of my dad, my dad, and all of his family went to Bald Eagle Area High School, which is just over the mountain. Yep. Okay, a neighboring school district, and uh, they were extremely well known as a wrestling school. Um, multiple state championships, state champions. My dad was a very good wrestler. <clears throat> I made the mistake of being a basketball player mm-hmm. and if you can imagine a, a basketball I've, player I've, i played basketball with yeah, you yeah a bat well that, that you're not talking about my bad basketball playing but like a, <laughs> a basketball player in a wrestling family oh right right doesn't oh, yeah, doesn't yeah. go over real well no no same yeah. season i had some pretty yeah. pretty uh non-politically correct yeah uh names i was called by uncles and uh, you were the defensive stopper right go in there and harass that guy and when playing basketball yeah. yeah 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 i did share that i think in my bio right yeah i wasn't very good i i, I hustled my butt off I, I wasn't a great dribbler wasn't a great shooter but i could outwork anybody on the on the basketball court and mm-hmm. so uh we had tryouts i thought i might i might get cut because i can't shoot and i can't dribble that well but i'm like the only thing i got going for me is i'm gonna win every turkey sprint i'm gonna win every drill that we do just mm-hmm. with hustle and i, I made the team uh, and uh, continued to play for for Coach Glunt at that time, and uh, I was a defensive specialist. So if there yeah. was someone on the opposing team that we just needed to shut down, I got called, and the coach's instructions were clear. 
Mm-hmm. Go in, you're covering five or whatever his name would be. When he touches the ball, you're coming out. Don't and let so, him get the ball. Don't let him get the ball. Yeah. And so I would bust my butt as hard as I could mm-hmm. and uh, not let him get the ball. And you generally, must, when he got the ball and touched the ball, I came, out. I came out. You must have been one pain in the neck. Yeah. We also played a lot of one three one, like trapping one three one. Oh, so yeah. I played up top. Yeah, yeah. And so I ran my I ran my tackle. Uh, I was a point guard. Forth, I played up forth, top. Back and forth yeah, up top. Yeah, I know. So. We did the same thing. Uh, yeah. So, but but endurance uh, sports is where you really shine. When did you know that? When did you find out or <laughs> like the light go off and say, hey, I'm actually pretty good at this? Well, you know, it kind of started whenever I was like playing football in junior high mm-hmm. and uh, it was time to go up to, to ninth grade football. And so, uh, or no, actually, I guess I had played ninth grade football. And so ninth grade didn't play varsity back then. I'm trying to remember all this right time lot, time wise, timeline wise. But so after ninth grade, then you move up and then you started playing varsity football. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I thought, well, I, you know, I need, I need to bulk up a little bit, right? Because I'm just this little skinny little scrawny guy bulking up to like 115, 120 you know, <laughs> yeah. to get ready for football season. Yeah. And uh, I was like, well, that's maybe, maybe football is not the sport for me. And so I had met some of the distance guys during my freshman year in track. Uh, I had ran hurdles and sucked at it. Uh, 110 high hurdles and the 300 intermediate hurdles. And I, I was not very good. Uh, and, uh, I met some of the distance guys and they were talking about this cross country thing and they told me, I, I had no idea what it was. Mm-hmm. And so they told me that it involved, you know, running 3.1 miles over fields and hills and, you know, all kinds of, all kinds of terrain. And for me, the, the, the light bulb was that, you know, as a kid, when I talked about, you know, riding bikes and like, just like, you know, kids, you just have races running like, Hey, I, I bet sure. you I can run here and back faster than you. Right. Like anytime I did those things, when we did the presidential physical fitness test in school Ooh, and ran yeah, like the 600 that. meters or the mile, like it was one of those things I always, I would always win. Like I would just always excel yeah. when there was some type of distance type of running or distance type of biking involved. And so when they told me about this cross country thing, I thought, Hey, I might not be too bad at that. Yeah. And so I went out for that my sophomore year and kind of fell in love with the sport and started running distance and track. And, uh, yeah, a runner was born. A runner was born. Yeah. And you had, you certainly had the home, uh, I don't say home field advantage, but the hills that you had to run and all that stuff had to help. Yeah. Living on top of a mountain, yeah. no matter where you went, you went off the mountain. Right. Which meant if you wanted come to get back, back home, you had to come back up the mountain. Right. Uh, to the yeah. point where there's, uh, back, back then there was the, the side road that I had to run up. It's probably about a, three quarters of a mile to a mile climb back up onto the top of the mountain. Uh, it was just a little side side road that was paved and it was really only accessible if you were walking or running or biking. Uh, it had like a gate across it at different spots. <laughs> I would actually go out and uh, for my training and for motivation, I would take spray, spray paint out and I would spray paint like my goals wow. and motivational lines and words wow. on, on this hill that would just always would i would didn't know that me. that yeah. is cool yeah so like if i was trained like at, at that you know times i was training for boston you know i'd put on there what you know what my goal time was right and you know other in- inspiration this is the last, last this was like the mile to get back in home yeah, yeah this was like the mile to get back up on top of the mountain but you had to go down at the start i had to go down at the start yeah yep. yeah yeah and then so i'd always have to come back up that to get back home and then i would have yeah. like about a mile flat you know easier more gradual rolling hills right. to actually get back to the house but to get back home i always had to climb that's this big cool hill, so yeah i didn't know that that's really cool i was just side i was running my last leg at the tussie sunday and my last leg was five and a half miles um and i think the last like two miles or mile about two miles out mile and a half out 
I'm running and there's somebody had taken chalk across the road. Go Ross. Oh, whoever cool. Ross is. Yeah. Right. And I'm running like, oh, that's pretty cool. And a little bit later, I see another one. Go Ross. And then I'm now I'm starting to get jealous. You know, <laughs> where's my sign? And yeah. then I turn the corner and here's this lady in a car and she's writing it on this on the street again. Ross must have been running that leg. And you were ahead of Ross. Then. And I was ahead of Ross. That's and good. Uh, whoever Ross is. But I saw her. I almost said to her, can you just write go defib, please? <laughs> just once. I wanted that motivation. But yeah, nah, that's, it, I, that's so cool that you did that. that so, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that make somebody a high impact man. Self-motivation, right? I think in uh, F3 parlance, Dredd calls it individual initiative, I2, whatever you want to call it. Uh, just self-motivation to push yourself like that. And uh, and that's, I don't want to say it's rare, but not everybody has that, right? I mean, some yeah. people set goals. Most people that set goals don't achieve them, I would say, probably. Yeah. Um, which is okay, you know, you just got to keep trying. But uh, but that's one of the things that make you, you know, a high impact man. You're out there, you're pressing hard. You're you're not just going for a run. You know, you want to you want to qualify for Boston and and you know and things like that. So that that's very cool. It could be it can be a, a negative though, because I I'll be the first to admit I have a hard time doing something just to do it. Sure. Right. Yeah. So if if I'm gonna do something. You're all in. I generally go all in, yeah. right? So, like, if I say I'm going to run a half marathon, right, or a marathon, like it, it, I can't just do it just to. Mm-hmm. Oh, if I finish in five hours, great. You know, I'm right. just going to enjoy the sights and sounds. That's and if not, I walk, that's not the way you walk. walk. It's like, nope. Yep. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to run it. You know, and I'm going to compete. Yeah. Uh, and so it can be. It can be a detriment. Yeah, and we we talked about that last year because I asked you. So, are you going to run a marathon? Because you used to, and now you're getting back in shape and everything. And you're like, I, I'm not ready yet. I got to keep training. Yeah, like, you could. Come. I said you could do one now. Well, I could probably finish one now, but that's not the point. Yeah, you told me that. Yeah, like, I got I got to yeah. be ready so I could I could really do well. Yeah, you know. And, that's, and then you went for fun. Didn't even register. Your wife ran a half marathon last year. You just went and ran with her. Yeah, didn't register for it. He just went and ran it with. Got her. a support DM. She did great. <laughs> yeah, she did. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, that's how. I, that's that's a. Uh, I think that's a little bit innate. You know, everyone has a different personality. Yeah. Um, I think that you can learn that too. That's a, that's an ongoing debate over how competitive you become or can become and stuff like that. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think that's incredible. Yeah. And then so then you go off to college. And uh, now did you run your first marathon after you went into college, right? Yeah. So I ran, I ran like a half marathon when I was in, in high school. And I had started while I was in high school is when I actually started to get kind of intrigued by mm-hmm. The mystique of the marathon, and in particular the the mystique and the and probably more importantly the history mm-hmm. of the Boston Marathon, right? And and that came from uh, from a local a, a local guy who I got to know really well and became kind of came a mentor of mine from a from a running perspective. George George Myers was his name. Um, I went to school with his with his son and daughter, and actually his mother was my bus driver bus driver. Mm-hmm. And so I would I would see George um, running around the valley. And in particular, I would see him every like Saturday or Sunday run down past, uh, past our place. And he was, and I found out that he was, he was always doing his, his quote long run, getting ready for whatever his, his marathon was that he was training for at the time. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, the long run involved him running from his house down to a town called Woodward, uh, which just happens to be where my wife grew up, um, which was like a 20 mile, 22 mile run, depending on how far you went. But that's what that's what he was always doing. He was doing that long run on the weekends to train for, for marathons. So I'd see him, and I and I came to find out that that uh, 
I came out to find that you know, he was the father of uh, Brooks and, and Melanie Myers that, that I went to school with and found out that you know he's, he was also the son of Nadine, who was my bus driver. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, uh, the one local TV station did a story on him. Because oh. back then, like the, the number of people that ran Boston back in that, that era was actually pretty small. Mm-hmm. And it was actually really tough to qualify for the Boston Marathon. Back then, you had to run like 250 um to qualify which is which is a really fast time now yeah. now i think the beginning time to qualify for for younger guys is is uh, 320 so it's like a half an hour difference um but anyway he he you know he was running boston and i came to find out through this news story that he was also um you know recovering recovering alcoholic and had been this huge heavy smoker and was like you know really you know mm-hmm. not not living a healthy lifestyle and like turned his life around and, and started doing these marathons well anyway he he kind of got hooked up with uh, his daughter was running on our cross country team and he, he got involved as a volunteer with our team. We called him the Gatorade man because he always brought Gatorades mm-hmm. to the meets for us. And uh, George and I, you know, I'd share with George my interest in this. And so he started kind of mentoring me, telling me about Boston, telling me the stories, telling me what you had to do to train, what you had to do to qualify. And before I knew it, you know, like he, I was training with him to do a half marathon mm-hmm. my senior year in high school. And then we uh, we trained together through the fall and winter of my freshman year in college. I had opted not to not to run in college. Um, and yeah, it's to, crazy because you were a district champion in high school, weren't you? Yeah, right. Yeah, as a district champion, cross country runners, <laughs> I just don't want to run in college. Let's go run moment. Part of it was I was I so I started out in the athletic training program, mm-hmm. and so I was spending my evenings when the team was training. I was in the athletic training room mm-hmm. taking care of those athletes that were on the cross country team and the football teams and all the other sports teams. And so I'd started doing that and really couldn't do both. Right. Um, and then ultimately, uh, you know, I was like, well, I got to do something, right. I still enjoy running and, and I might as well, I had a goal for myself. If you look at my high school yearbook, one of my goals was to run the Boston marathon. Wow. Cool. And so, uh, I was like, well, might as well do it now. Right. Yeah. Not doing anything else. So I started training for it. I ended up like actually changing majors. And so I could have ran for the cross country team. But by that point I was like committed to doing marathons and enjoying it. And so, uh, I just kept doing it, but yeah, freshman year I started training with, uh, I'd go home on the weekends and George and I would do our long runs together through the week. I would do my, my workouts on my own. And then ultimately he, uh, he ran like Boston in April and, uh, I ran Pittsburgh in May of my freshman year in college and qualified, uh, for Boston. Thought it was going to be close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it hurt really bad at the <laughs> end, but I ran like I ran like two fifty and change. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually came out and cheered me on, which was cool. And a bunch of my family members came out and uh, qualified for Boston as a as a freshman, and then uh, had about a year to kind of recover and start training because then Boston would have been like the April April of the following year, almost a whole year later. Yeah, yeah a whole year later. Another funny part of that story is. And we might have talked about this whenever the ladies were on. I can't remember. That's okay. But uh, we'll tell we'll tell it again for any new listeners that are out there. Yeah. Uh, so so my wife Denine, she she the whole time I'm training for this marathon thing, she's telling me I'm stupid, uh-huh. I'm nuts. Right? You know why would you want to run this far? You mm-hmm. know the guy that they named the marathon after died at the now, end. Now this is your wife right? who also was a district <laughs> champion, right? Yeah, she was a district champion as well. Yeah. yeah. So she was she was a very good runner, good mm-hmm. distance she runner. Still but, is, yeah. but she still thought it was stupid. Uh, maybe there was more to it than the running, uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So she's telling me how foolish I am. So we go out to Pittsburgh and she sees all the hype around the, 
you know, yeah. the pasta party beforehand, right. the pre-race expo and all the people. And I could just see the wheel spinning on yeah. her head, right? She got hooked. She was hooked just yeah. as soon as she saw the hype. And before I even ran, she says to me, she goes, where can I qualify? <laughs> and so I was like, oh, oh, so I went from stupid to now you're doing one. She's yeah. like, well, yeah. And, and part of it, she's just a little competitive. A little bit, yeah. Just a little competitive. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't like the fact that I was going through with this yeah. and going to run. So anyway, she ended up uh, qualifying. She ran in Harrisburg that November. So mm-hmm. she, she immediately just started training. And so we actually went to our first Boston Marathon together. We weren't married yet at the time because we, you know, we were both in school still. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so uh, we went and did our first Boston Marathon together. Going back to George, uh, great mentor, smart man. He had run a lot of Boston marathons, and it was a very hot and humid day. Uh, Boston is in April, for those that don't know this, and so it's that time of the year when you know things have been cold and chilly, and you just never know. All of a sudden, that first hot day of the spring pops up, right? And it just so happened to be that day was the day of the Boston Marathon, my first year there. And uh, at that time, Boston started at noon, which was the traditional time that it started for, you know, 100, 100 plus years. And uh, George says to me, he goes, Troy, I know you're in shape to run. I was shooting to go sub 240, I think. Uh, and and uh, George is like, I know you're in shape to run 240. You know you're in shape to run sub 240, but today is not the day. Put right. your watch away. And just run the race. Right. Which kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, George. Sure, George. Yeah. Right, George. <laughs> Got it, George. Sure. Yeah. So, so, uh, George knew better. I didn't. I, mm-hmm. I went out still destined, uh, to try and run my sub 240. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was hot. I got dehydrated, really wobbly and a little shaky legged, uh, going up the heartbreak hills to the point where I had to pull off into the aid station to start. Sipping on and what some, mile is that? Sipping some fluids. So that was like the twenty-one, just past the twenty-one mile mark. Okay, uh, pretty close to the top of the hill. So I'm sitting in the aid station. Cool story here. I'm sitting in the aid station, sipping on water, getting some and some juice, getting some some fluids back in me. And uh, I I kind of thinking like maybe I'll see the dean go by at some point. Maybe 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 I'll jump back in. I was also thinking about getting on the bus and just uh-huh. getting a ride back. Cause I was feeling so crappy and at that point pride got the best of me as well. And I'm like, eh, do I really want to finish in three hours and 20 minutes or oh, three right. and a half hours? Right. And have that in the results. But I'm sitting there and in comes Abraham Hussein, who just happens to be the two time defending Boston marathon champion. Yeah. Comes walking into the aid station and sits down beside me. Like we're best friends. Like we're just sitting here right now. Yeah. And he's like, what happened to you? And, uh, that's my best, uh, Kenyan accent uh, <laughs> sounded <laughs> so, perfect sounded perfect yeah he's like so what happened to you and I'm like ah I got dehydrated you know just yeah. not feeling good getting some fluids back in me and he he proceeded to tell me that you know he you know he had just an upset belly and he wasn't feeling good and you know for those guys he you know he was running for you know a hundred thousand two hundred thousand dollar purse right yeah. right and if he's having a bad day he just drops out he didn't listen to George either no he didn't listen to George either but if he, you know he has a bad day he just drops out right and then he'll just go find another marathon to do in two or three weeks and make and, that money yeah. and make that money back up. Yeah. Right. Win another hundred, two hundred thousand dollars So, so he had dropped out. So we sat and talked a little bit that inspired me. And before I knew it, here comes, here comes my wife running past. She had had some iliotibial band syndrome issues and oh. hadn't been able to train really well. So she, she had humbled herself a little bit more than I had, and she was just running to finish it. Does that mean you were ahead of Abraham before he got in the tent? I, I must've been, yeah. I must've passed him at some point. Yeah. Cause he can't, he can't I, I don't know. Yeah. So, and That's, technically I then so you went, had a kill. Of the top, I guy. did have a kill of the two-time defending champion. Go. 
Yeah. Did he, did he finish? Never thought about that. Did he finish it? No, no, he dropped out. Oh, all right. Um, but I did finish. The I went counts. out. I went out. Found my wife. She's like, was surprised. Like, what are you doing here? Yeah. And uh, so I had to tell her the story. Anyway, we finished. I can't together. believe you saw her from the tent. Isn't there a lot of people? It was. I, I don't know how. Like, yeah, it was just like just by chance. I just yeah. happened to see her go by and. Ran out in the course. You couldn't let her finish in. No, 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 no. <laughs> I did let her go ahead of me at the finish line. Aww. So technically she did beat me. And I, yeah, well, you I had started. Yet. A, yeah, right. So Because you did kill a, a, a third grader at the Tussie. I did kill a third grader at the Tussie Mountain 50. Only because G. Ray told me that I had to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so that was my first Boston Marathon experience. It didn't go yeah. as planned. So what was your fastest Fastest marathon, 236. 236, folks. A few years later, after I'd learned some lessons. Yeah, and, uh, 236. That's only 36 minutes from the world record. It's only 36 minutes. That is true. The unofficial that, that's, world record. That's, to me, that's not much time. I, I would mean, like you know. to think that if I had the new shoes that Nike has and the other running shoe companies have, I, I yeah. think that's at least good for another 30 minutes. There you go. Right. right. You got to have yeah. the right gear. So I think technically I'm a 206 Maybe marathoner. Maybe I should get those shoes. I'm a 206 marathoner, just happen to be born a right. generation early. Yeah, exactly. Before the super shoes. Yeah, yeah. You need the super <laughs> shoes. That's my story. I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's awesome. So um, uh, clearly uh, a gifted endurance athlete, and he's still kicking our butts on the runs uh, here in F3 Susquehanna Valley. Um, but, you know, we got to have a standard to, to try to shoot for. Although there's one guy in our packs who might uh, might might beat you. He's younger, but Buttons is oh, yeah, Buttons. pretty good. Yeah, Buttons. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's hardcore. Yeah, he is. Uh, but he, he hardly posts anymore. So, Buttons, when you listen to this, don't forget, I'm watching. Yeah. I'm, I, I see what you're doing, Buttons. Waiting for you. We see you on Strava. We you see, see you we on see Strava. Come you better show up. get your butt back out. Anyway, um, so you graduate from college. You go get a job. You get married. You got you have two uh, beautiful children that are both running cross-country for Lock Haven now. Yeah. Right? So, Elena's, what, junior? She's a senior. Senior. Sorry about that. And, and Evan's the, a freshman. Evan's a freshman, yeah. Both the, both went to LHU, my alma mater. Uh, Elena did not want to go there. Mm-hmm. Like, it was kind of low on the list. Yeah. Even though they have a good pay, PA program, and that's what she's studying to be a uh, physician assistant. Uh, maybe you inspired her in that realm. I don't know. I don't know, but it's a, it's a good job. But it was kind of funny because, like, she had looked at all these other schools, and like Lock Haven was the last school that she visited. Right. And so we went we went to we went to visit there, and uh, Aaron Russell, who's the coach there now, actually was on the team when I was there. And Aaron and I had run together a bunch because I would even though I wasn't on the team, I'd, I'd meet up with the guys on the team and run with them quite often. Did you beat them? Uh, some of them. There was yeah. a couple. There was a couple that could beat me in yeah. those shorter distances. I bet you I could beat them in the, the marathon. The coach must have wanted you on that team. You know what? The funny thing is, not once. Really. Not once, and um, part of part of me, like I, I don't, I don't, I didn't need that, but like looking back, it's like, what kind of coach yeah. would not see this guy that's running all these miles and shows right. up and can can run with the better guys on the team and compete right. with them in workouts? Yeah, and not just once say like, yeah. dude, why are you not on my team and running for me? Crazy, but not once did he say anything. But I, whatever, yeah. yeah, whatever, yeah, no yeah. Hard, so, no hard feelings so, or so anything. Then, but I, I, I mean, I just always thought it was weird. I don't. So think Elena I, met. Coach so anyway, Russell? she mo- yeah. So she so she went to meet with Coach Russell, and uh, I could see as the day went on, like him sharing you know philosophy and uh, of the program, and her seeing the, the the school really nice. It's just you know simple state school. I think very undervalued and underrated in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, the beautiful part of the uh, of the state, nice area, yeah, yeah. And so I, I could see. I could see as the day went on, as, as she's doing the tour and and meeting the team, meeting the coaches, and seeing the facilities. I could see her like. This isn't a bad place. Maybe maybe Dad's going to something here. Yeah, 
And uh, so anyway, it made it made the cut for two schools that she wanted to go back to and do like an overnight visit. Mm-hmm. And so she had went to uh, uh, St. Francis, which is another good PA program. Right. Yeah. Uh, and they had been recruiting her pretty heavily. And she went there and she just got a weird vibe from the team. And ultimately, uh, it kind of fell down on the list a little bit. And she went and stayed overnight and met all the all the girls and spent a weekend at Lock Haven. And she barely got in her car and she called mom and dad and she's like, this is where I'm going. Sweet. Like she, she knew this. Yeah. I don't it. know how much money she would have got from St. Francis cause they're D one. And I, I don't know if all athletics, but she, she was offered a lot of money. Cause but the yeah. problem is a St. Francis to start starting tuition is, is a lot of money. Yeah. Lockheed and is so, not, so right. And so they, yeah. they gave her a lot of money, but ultimately, you know, it, it really just came down to being about, about the same cost as Lock Haven. Right. Quite honestly, yeah. because yeah. Lock Haven's starting price is so much cheaper. So, sure. uh, anyway, yeah. So she ended up at Lock Haven. Yeah, and she was, uh, uh, I know she had some injuries. She had a surgery on her ankle, right? Yeah. And she, then had, she, yep, she had, but net, but this season didn't, wasn't she athlete of the week or something like that? She was back in track season. Yeah, her track season. Uh, yeah, and she's been having a really good uh, fall cross country season. They found out like through all this, like she had injured her. She's she's really just had kind of nagging injuries. Like she had, um, she was having a great freshman year, and she was home training, and and uh, was on a on a our old cross country course. Stepped on a walnut and rolled her ankle, and uh, basically reaggravated an injury that mm-hmm. she had she had she. Had, been wrestling with for a long period of time from her high school basketball days and ended up needing to have ankle surgery, uh, some reconstruction done. And she was scheduled for that. And then COVID hit. And so Mm -hmm. then her surgery was delayed for many, many months. And so then she ended up kind of losing track and cross country season because of this. And uh, so anyway, just, it was kind of one thing after another. And then she had some shin issues, but she, they, they finally figured out that she's just got this little leg length discrepancy and they've had her start wearing a heel wedge. Uh Uh-huh just a little quarter incher in the one in the one side. And like, she's been so consistent and like her running has been, that's crazy. The after best all that been. time, after all that, that time, seeing physical yeah. therapist and no offense, some, you know, really good. We thought orthopedic docs and right. like, that's, that's all it took. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, she's been having a really, really, really good year. She's got three, three meets left this season. She's got a big meet this weekend and then uh peace acts, which is our conference and then regionals. And they're, hoping that there's a chance that they might be able to get the nationals this year, but we'll, yeah, that's we'll awesome. See. And she's, yeah, she's doing, doing really well. And, uh, and your Pong. son, Evan, otherwise known as Pong, yeah. our F3 Pong, he, yeah. he's my guy. All right. So <laughs> we'll get into that part of the story. I, um, I had coached uh, my daughter's soccer team, a club team for about eight years, something like that, right up to high school graduation. We were a high level club team playing, you know, the big tournaments and stuff like that, at least uh, in the region. Uh, won a lot of championships and things like that. But what was really interesting is my wife told me, and I didn't expect this at all, because she didn't like how much time I spent coaching soccer. And because like you, if I'm going to do something, I'd do it. You're all in. Yeah, I'm, I'm competitive. I want to beat everybody. Yeah. So we trained more, because it's all about the training. Right. Train them the right way. There's a lot more that goes into coaching that, but train them the right way and do it a lot. Yeah. And so More than did. the other guys. Yeah, and at the time, we were the ones, I'm renting, renting uh, high school and middle school, you know, basketball courts in the winter to practice and stuff like that. But anyway, um, I thought for sure that that was going to be the end of my coaching. And my wife says, why don't you go coach another team? You know, get another young team. You've got all this experience. Like, really? It was like Rocky two when, you know, Adrian wakes up <laughs> after the baby and she's in a coma. She was, I want you to win. I'm ding, dong, da, da, dong. You know, I'm going to coach now. Yeah. So anyway, we went off to the local club, uh, tryouts and uh, we put together a, what was a U 10 team. Made but, up of mostly little U8. Yeah, I had guys, a bunch yeah. of... So, I don't think we had anybody that was U10. Everybody was U9 uh, and U8. Yeah, U8 and U9. We took our 
we took a beating. Yeah, the, the first, first year, first year we were so young. But uh, but I uh, one of the guys that uh, had tried out and made the team was Dial Up Son Pong and uh, and a competitive guy just like his dad and uh, and a good athlete. And man, we I coached him for three years. I think they were you twelve or you thirteen when so, I stopped. Yeah, something like that. And of course, Dial Up was helped me an assistant coach because his son was on the team and I knew him and I knew he'd be a great coach. And so then I handed the team to you. Yeah. Uh, but Pong was a, was is a really good soccer player, um, but he decided to go the route of cross country, and so now he's a freshman at Lock Haven running cross country. Yeah, he's not a big fan of cross country. He's a more of a short distance guy. He likes the half mile yeah. or the eight hundred. That'd be technically correct, right? He's a steeplechase expert. He likes the eight hundred. He likes the sixteen hundred, which is the you know the metric mile essentially yeah. for high school. Uh, and uh, yeah, he tried to steeplechase this past year, and he he loves that. So that's the plan. Yeah. He he's doing cross country at Lock Haven. He's not super passionate about it, but like he knows it's the necess- you know the the, the necessary uh, thing that he has to do to get ready for track season. So he's he's looking forward to cross country season coming to an end and and starting to do some short distance races like, the, yeah. like I said the eight hundred the the sixteen hundred or the mile and uh, distance medley relay indoor and then yeah when outdoor hits he's looking forward to to doing the steeplechase. Yeah, and I, I I know that guy and I know the work he'll put in. Yeah. Uh, he will put the work in. Yep, he works his butt off. He's he's yeah. a quick little dude. He ran like four twenty one for the for the uh, sixteen hundred in high school. That is fast. One fifty nine for the eight hundred. So he's he's quicker. He's quicker than his dad ever was. Yeah. I never had that kind of short distance speed. But he is quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah looking forward to it. And he's doing really well. Most importantly, both of them are doing well in school academically. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's we'll talk about your coaching experience because uh, this is about you. So um, you're uh, part of what makes you a high impact man is. Uh, the fact that you did coach a youth team for quite a while, right? Yeah. And so after after I left, you picked up the team, and boy, you guys really took off with it. Yeah. Well, and even before that, you, you might forget. Coach like, your daughter's team, I, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so my daughter, when she was like 10, 11, I guess ten, probably, she had, she had tried out for a club team, and uh, she she made it onto the team, and that team was was a pretty pretty big gap in ages. So oh. there was probably like a three or probably at least a three-year gap as far as ages from the older girls to the younger girls. And uh, uh, Max was the was the head coach and classic. You know, I, I, I just never can be that parent that just drops my kid off, right? right? Yeah. You know, I just it's, it's just the way I'm wired, you know, uh, I'll just admit it. So, you know, the next thing I know, I'm just like hanging out like, hey, you know, hey, what can I help you with? You know, mm-hmm. just whether it be, you know, snagging balls that got kicked over the goal when they're doing shooting drills, whatever it was, to – you know, just being a body on the sideline just to help encourage. Anyway, end up being an assistant coach. And uh, time came when the when the girls were ready to move up and the roster had gotten a little big as well. And that uh, he had the idea to let's split the team. You take the younger girls and form mm-hmm. a younger team and he'll take the older girls and, and, and form an older team. And wasn't quite sure whether, whether I was ready for that. We didn't even have soccer in high school, right? right so yeah. like, I was just like learning on the fly. But, uh, yeah, I ended up coaching, coaching the girls team and, you know, we had some girls, it was mostly all Danville girls to start and like some of them kind of moved on to other things. And so then we ended up kind of getting girls coming from other schools ended up merging with another team with a, with a guy that I ended up getting to be really good friends with from Sealands Grove. And, uh, we put together a team of, of really good committed girls that wanted to, wanted to get better at soccer and wanted to compete at a high level. And so slowly, you know, I, like to think I became a, a better coach. The the more I did it, did a lot of reading, a lot of yeah. watching videos, talking to you. You were a good mentor of mine. Several other coaches, you know, I, I just tried to be a sponge and watch other other coaches training, 
their athletes, going to camps, going to clinics, and learning as much as I could to be to be a better coach. Since I, again, I hadn't played and and right. hadn't really been involved in the sport, so I had to learn something. Uh, watching soccer on TV, watching you know Manchester United and and uh, yeah, other good clubs like that. And so yeah, so the girls did really well. We we went. We did a we did a lot of a lot of tournaments. Um, I think our big claim to fame is we we kind of became known as the we 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 dubbed ourselves the Redneck Academy because we would go to. Uh, some high level tournaments and we'd play these fancy Academy teams and uh, the, the parents would always, you know, they'd be like, your team's really good. How much, how much do you guys pay your coaches? Right. Yeah. right? <laughs> and then our parents would be like, they just laugh and they'd be like, those are just two of the dads that are, yeah. that are coaching the team. We don't pay anything. We pay like $120 a year to register our right. kids and get their uniforms and that's it. Yeah. And these parents are paying, you know, $1,500, $2,000, $2,500 a year for yeah. their kids to, to be on these teams. And, and we're going out and kicking their butts and, you know, I, I'm not going to lie, you know, maybe the coaching was decent, but I also had some, some yeah. warrior princesses right. uh, on the team. Some, I had the some same thing with my will, girls team. Some yeah. girls that will slit your throat if you're not, yep. <laughs> if you're not looking and well, a whole team full of alpha females. Yeah, and, they were, they were um, really good and they were, they were driven and they, yeah. they worked their tails off and they were a bunch yeah. of great, great kids. But right. uh, yeah, then ultimately, yeah, right. Then you shared the story of the guys and how you got that guys team started. And so it was a natural fit to, to double up and help with that team as well. And I learned a lot from you in those years that we coached together. I kind of continued the mentorship that, uh, that, that you've been able to provide me and in, in a lot of different aspects of life, but, uh, you were a great mentor as a coach learned a lot from you. And yeah, whenever you, you moved on and other, uh, the bigger and, and well, I took on the high school team, bigger and better yeah. things. That's right. Yeah. You moved on, I guess, to coaching the high school team. And so yeah. then I took over the, took over the boys team and right. we continued to, to win some championships and yeah. and do really well and ultimately that they kind of redid all the age brackets and everything like that and it got to a point I took a little time off of being a head coach mm-hmm. um whenever they did this whole age division I had this huge project going on for work that I I just couldn't commit to the to the team for a year or so and anyway, Pong shifted over to to another team with a bunch of the other guys. And he went that, to the Evil Empire. He went, and eventually we made it to the Evil Empire. Yeah, up the street, the other club. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. So so kind of kids shifted around, and again, I got back into serving as an assistant coach, and then the head coach resigned. So then I ended up being uh, a back head coach into again. it. Yeah. So it always goes. Yeah. So well, end up you know, coaching those guys, and a lot of a lot of cool kids, a lot of great great memories when you're when you when you got that leadership skills and uh, and you're good with the kids it's always recognized yeah. and uh and so you know you're always going to end up kind of rising up and doing things like that yeah and and you do it because you love them and uh and you want to mentor them and stuff like that not obviously your kid was on the team it was kind of cool for me to experiment coaching a team that didn't have one of my kids on the team yeah at, it's at be- the club level starting over again yeah. at the because at the, i thought boy my girls team are winning because uh maybe because I just have better athletes than everybody else. We had good athletes and I had some good mentors teaching me coaching because I didn't know anything about soccer when I started, but, um, but we had so much success. I thought, I wonder if I could reproduce that. And we won a number, we won a bunch of league championships, local league championships, the boys. Yeah. We never could, could, uh, achieve the same results on the, against the bigger clubs at the tournaments that I did with my girls. But later on you guys did. And then, but then I went on the high school team to see if I could experiment, if it works there and that kind of thing. So it's kind of cool, uh, to do that stuff. And, uh, um, you know, it makes you, one of the things, again, it makes you a high impact man. You're investing in the community because I know even though you had a kid on the team, you were still investing in all those kids. And I know how much you care about each one of those. Lots of great kids. kids from the girls team and the boys team. Yep. And you make great friends of other parents and stuff like that. Absolutely. So it's about yeah. the relationships. 
a lot of good, a lot yeah. of good memories. And uh, yeah. I always say, man, you, you would just love to go back and coach those kids just one more time. I'd love to go back when they were like you 10, you yeah. 11, those yeah. innocent years. Like yeah. I, I go to tournaments and, and like I'd be there once the girls were 18, you know, or the, or the guys were 18 years old and you go to these tournaments and you, I'd be just walking by these fields where the kids are playing and they're only 11, yeah. you know, 11 or 12 years old. And right. I would just sit there and watch and I'd be like, man, what I wouldn't give just, to yeah, I could tell. So all of you dads that are listening out there again when they're this, they were this age. They, something happens to them in middle school. Uh, I don't know so much the boys, but the girls, they, they, they become evil <laughs> and they change into these creatures in middle school. I don't know what, how it happens or what's going on. I have some theories, but yeah, they're, they're so awesome when they're before that, but no, they're awesome after that too, but it was a different team. Yeah. Holy cow. I remember coaching my team. We're practicing through the summer and all of a sudden they all, all start at middle school. The first week of middle school, I, we showed up for practice and it was a different group of people. Yeah. Oh my, what happened? Things change. Yeah, I think it's definitely more on the girls than the guys. Yeah. Well, the guys, the guys stay pretty consistent. The girls are all competing for the boys now because all these small elementary schools are coming together and whatever yeah. the, t- the girls that, you know, advance in puberty quicker than the boys and the boys have no clue what's going on. These girls are, uh, competing yeah. uh, for the boys. But anyway, yeah. uh, so you, so that's the coaching aspect. So then uh, let's you talk about your faith. So um, we talked a little bit about this morning, actually, our 30 yeah, for 30 beat down. Yeah. Uh, but uh, just tell everybody like how, you know, how you came to, uh, to your faith and, you know, how old you were and you know, your growth through that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I shared this morning, I said, you know, one, one of the weird things is it's hard to describe. And I guess you said that you kind of felt that way too, but I've always had a hard time describing it, but like, even though I didn't grow up in a, in a, in really what you would call a Christian home, um, you know, I, I'd been baptized as a baby. Um, we, we would go to church occasionally, uh, but certainly wasn't in a Christian home, but I, I just always, as a young kid, I just always had this sense of, um, God's presence Mm -hmm. that, that he, that he was there that he was real, you know, that he wasn't just this something that would some people would talk, Oh God, this or God, that like, I, I I truly believed God existed and I could feel his presence in my life in in different ways and at different times. And, uh, so, so, you know, it it was just one of those things like, you know, couldn't, couldn't explain it at the time, but you know, now it kind of all makes sense. Um, and, uh, coming around our neighborhood when I was, when I was a young kid, there was a bus that would come around and, 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 uh, the local church up on top of the mountain Calvary Baptist, uh, Bible church, uh, had an Awana program, which Awana's is still, still going. Yeah. And, uh, they, uh, they had a bus, they'd pick us up in a neighborhood and a bunch of my buddies, we'd get on the bus quite honestly. That's just be, be frank. We went for the, for the gym time and the games yeah. that you would play, like running around the circle and having races and doing different things. Uh, we went for the gym time, but of course, part of that is that, you know, that's how they, you know, that's how they draw you in. That's, that right. was the magnet. Yeah. You know, yeah. we talk about the magnet for we're, F3 we're, is the fitness part. Piggybacking off Awana. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so Awana, the, the magnet was the, that, that game or the gym time, right. Draw people in. And, uh, then, then you had to memorize scripture and, yeah. uh, the leaders would share scripture with you each week. And, uh, you know, that was, that was when I first came, you know, sitting in some of those lectures, that was the first time that, um, I, I made that personal commitment, you mm-hmm. know, and, and prayed the, prayed the, uh, the prayer of salvation. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest, you know, a lot of it's just because like, I don't want, I don't want to go to hell. Right. Fire insurance. I'm scared. Yeah. Right. It's like, no, I don't want to go there. Yep. Sign me up for whatever the other side of the house is. I want to take it to the good place. Right. Uh, and so I did that. Um, 
but uh, you know, I was always a pretty good kid. You know, my my mom was was divorced and uh, you know re- remarried. Now both my parents remarried. I got great step. I'm, I'm not going to say anything bad about divorce. You know, yeah, it's not ideal. Right. Um, me personally, I ended up with two awesome step parents through right. through the whole situation. Um, so I'm I'm kind of lucky. I always you feel like I got two moms and two dads and a bunch of extra grandparents as well through mm-hmm. the deal. But anyway, I'm not sure where I was going with that. But uh, oh. Where was I going with that? Let me uh, think about it. Faith, Calvary Baptist. That's what it was. I know what it was. Sorry. Yeah. So anyway, like you know, we still didn't really you know go to go to church a lot or anything like that. But when I when I met my wife, she came from a, a very uh, uh, Christian home mm-hmm. base, and so you know her parents had shared with me a lot, and so you know that 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 goodness or that, that belief in God and that trust in God that was, that was always there for me as that presence that I always felt that I described earlier, that like that was always there. And, uh, it just, it really started to blossom and grow as I became part of, of Dedeen's family. Uh, and her, her dad was a, um, really, really special man that, uh, uh, really helped me grow. And, and ultimately, you know, at a, it was, a, it was a concert that I went to when, when I was in my 20s that, uh, you know, I ultimately made that confession as, mm-hmm. a, as an adult. Like, you know, yeah. God, I want to, you know, I, I, I just want to surrender my life to you and, uh, you know, come in, <clears throat> use me, take me. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's what it's been. Uh, been, been involved in a, and a believer and follower of Christ uh, ever since, you know, as usual, you know, highs and lows along the way. But, yeah. Uh, I've always loved the Lord and have never left him because he's never going to leave me. That's right. Yeah. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's right. Yeah. And so um, I don't even remember how it happened. How, do you remember how I was teaching a s- adult Sunday school class at the church we attend? I, th- I think I taught the class for like 20 years. Um, I can't remember when you and Deneen started coming. You were at a different church, right? And then yeah. You- so how I can't remember either. So, yeah. So we had attended uh, another uh, local church here and they were starting to kind of stray from uh you know sound doctrine principles we'll just mm-hmm. leave it at that um and so we we came out the first baptist because of uh, of the fact that you know it was a it was a church that sunday mornings the bibles were open and right preaching from the word uh and so yeah so we had started attending and i think we had bounced around from a class or two uh, and ultimately just somehow we yeah we made our way to to your class i think just yeah I think maybe we'd got to know each other a little bit more through soccer and right. uh, some other folks that, that we were friends with were in your class. and Yeah. Um, yeah, and I can't, I, yeah, I couldn't remember how that all started. Yeah, I can't the, remember exactly how we ended up there. It was just meant to be. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I was teaching it, and obviously sometimes you get some guys to sub, and and uh, and so you started. At, you started needing a sub a lot. Yeah, I started needing <laughs> a sub a lot. Uh, work was getting more in the way and stuff like that. So, um so anyway, uh, and eventually I thought, I think it was when I was when I took the high school coaching job that yeah. I, I gave it up. I thought, well, I'm just too, doing too many things. Yep. You needed to cut some things from your life. And yeah. So. And I was still going to sub, but I, but I basically handed the leadership of the class over to you. Yeah. We had a good class. It was. Um, Faith uh, Builders was. The, it was neat to have. So our church has uh, an, a, a Sunday school hour. So we, we have an early service Sunday school hour and a later service. And not a lot of churches are getting away from Sunday school classes now, but but that was a way for a large church to have small groups. Yep, uh, and that you could plug into right there on Sunday morning. Yeah, and so I functioned as a small group. We we independent on what we wanted to study and that kind of thing. We usually put it up to kind of a vote and who yeah. wanted to present some things to study. But uh, 
but it was good because we were able to help uh, support each other, encourage each other through prayer, but also through, you know, material needs as 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 came up and, and things like that. Um, what and, I, what I always loved about it is you know it was uh, I would say there was there was a lot of folks that were kind of close in age, but we also right. had a pretty big wide gap. You know, with yes. some younger folks. We, I mean, we had some younger folks that didn't have kids. We right. had some folks that had very young kids, all the way up to. Folks that, you know, their kids were grown adults and they were grandparents, right? Right, yeah. Um, and so we had this really, really wide uh, gap uh, from, a, from a generational perspective. And so I, I always really valued how much value that added to the class. That yeah. You had so many different perspectives on, diversity on things. Diversity and age. Yeah. yeah. And it was really, really cool. And, yeah. you know, uh, I think we both would say that we were extremely fortunate with the folks that attended the class as well that in a lot of ways, we, we weren't as much teachers as we were facilitators. True. At least I always felt that way. Yeah. Um, I'm well, certainly not as, not as much of a biblical scholar as you are. Right. Um, so I, well, I found myself to be just more of a, a, a lot of times a facilitator yeah. over a teacher and just leading the discussion and guiding it in different yeah. directions. Yeah. And I think uh, that's a, I think it's important for groups like that because guys, people want to talk and you know, they're, they're going to sit through a sermon. They don't want to sit and listen to me the whole yeah, no Sunday school hour. Right. right. Yeah. I mean the, the best Classes were when a lot of people talked. Yeah, and uh, ask the ask the tough tough questions, right? right. Yeah, um, stimulate the conversation, right? Sure, S- sort of use the Socratic method. Some sometimes act like you're maybe a little lost, right? And go right. in the other yeah, direction, yeah, see yeah, if yeah. anybody so, follows follows you. I, I said before on this on this, I was, I was just going to say game show. Where was that coming from? I have no on idea. On this here game show that we're <laughs> the podcast that one of my spiritual gifts is provocation. So I, you know, that's true. Provoke, Very much so. Yeah, provoke <laughs> thought and stuff like that. My, so here's something. Didn't Button say that about one time you were asking one of your questions yeah, on Slack, right? right? Yeah. And his wife like she, like she like wanted to give the simple answer because he told mm-hmm. he told her what the question was. And he's right. like, no, you don't know DFib. It's not about what the it's not about what the answer is or what the question is. It's uh, a, it's about why he's asking the question. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, which you don't you don't know from the question. Right. You know, there's another why that's kind of hidden. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's a method, but uh, but it provokes thought and it and it provokes discussion. Yeah. So uh, but I so f- take this for what it's worth, all of you out there in podcast land, uh, and if you're queuing a workout, I I try to, I'm not always successful at it, but I try to approach these sort of the same way. Um, you're going to teach something or give a talk or whatever. Uh, your audience is going to know a lot of what you're already going to talk about. Uh, my goal every Sunday school class, for instance, was to try to bring at least one thing new to teach the class, something that people just didn't know before or whatever. And so I always try to bring one thing new and, and then stimulate discussion. Uh, and so, you know, for people out there who are running the COT at the end of a workout or doing a 30 for 30 like we adopted that yep. Katie Texas started, um, it, it's, it hasn't been hard. I mean, we started it and man, all you do is throw out the question and guys are talking. Yeah. It's going really well um, so far, but a facilitator is, is good at, uh, at, um, a lot of things, but I think, uh, keeping the discussion moving and being provocative, but having something, maybe some, bring something new to the table, Yeah, do a little research, you know, put some, put a little time into it and stuff like that. I like to see guys out there queuing, doing that, you know, I'm, and again, I'm guilty of not doing that sometimes too. Like this morning, uh, basically I just, I did a set it and forget it workout. You know, I don't plan on doing that for Saturday. I'm, I got the cue this Saturday. I, I don't have exactly what I'm going to do yet. I'm not sure, but sure you got something cooked up though. So, uh, but you know, you're going to try to bring something new uh, and hopefully inspirational to people. Yeah, you always do a good job with that. Yeah. So, so I think that's it's, it's a good uh, a good. I don't know what you would call that in the leadership uh, world. You know, attributes, but uh, but I think that's important. 
when you're when you're leading a group, teaching a group, whatever. So anyway, side note on that. Yep, good. Yeah. So, but it was good stuff. I mean, uh, you you clearly have a heart for people, and and uh, teaching the Sunday school class, it came through. Uh, and so, because sometimes the prayer time was half the class. <laughs> yeah, that was true. Yeah. Did, did I ever show that my patience would wear thin though? Because like, like, I got three pages of notes yeah. I want to get through into so, the discussion. So, so dial up would be really, really there, good at that. There'd okay. be some times where I'd be like, oh, well, I guess we're not having class have today. Class today it's like, yeah. We're just having prayer time. And we did sometimes. It was like, you know yeah. what? This is just a, it's a prayer class, right? Yeah. yeah. But and, you know, you, you just had to recognize that there was just times in that class that just the spirit was there and folks had some heavy burdens. Yeah. Uh, going on in their lives and you know you know there was nothing that we were going to talk about from a you know study guide right or any scripture that i had planned that was that was going to fill that void right any better than just going before the throne of god yeah and and taking the burdens of of our, our brothers and sisters that were in that class and uh, taking those burdens to him and, and just asking him for comfort, wisdom, guidance, whatever it was that, that we needed and, and just right. turning it over to him. Yeah. Uh, and some, some really powerful moments in, the, in that Sunday school class. Yeah. You got to give people that, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, that environment, that opportunity. Being safe, vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to, uh, to share that. Yeah. And it takes some patience sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pers- personal and heavy stuff at times. Yeah. But uh Love them all. You know, I do I do miss it. COVID kind of changed the complexion a little bit of uh, the structure of Sunday school for us at, at our church. Um, you could bring it back, you know. Could. You could bring it back. Could, yeah. I don't I'll, know I'll help you. Would folks come back, I wonder? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. They would. All right, so we'll talk. They would. I can't lead it because of my darn schedule, but uh, but I could help. Okay. Yeah. It, it, people will come back. If you build it. They will come. They will come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, teacher, coach, all this stuff. So now for your job, you're a leader at your job. What's your position? So I am a program director, uh, for, um, a, a, a radiology team within our IT department. So Geisinger is a pretty big organization. Um, I, um, I oversee it's, it's called radiant, which is like the radiology, radiology module of our electronic health record. Mm -hmm. So it's what radiology uses for, scheduling their exams, performing their exams, ultimately, you know, creating your work list and, and uh, the stuff that the radiologists and other doctors read the exams off of. So I support uh, the build and maintenance um, and enhancements and improvements to that portion of the software uh, that is our electronic health record that we use at Geisinger. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, so I got a team of, Oh, I guess I, I, it's a, it's a small team. You know, I got like, uh, eight folks that report directly to me. And then there's kind of another sub team that kind of have like a dotted line to me from, uh, the radiology IS side, um, that, that supports the application as well. Just kind of paid through a, a different, a different set of funds, but, uh, great, great group of folks and, uh, great, great group of, uh, employees for sure. They work hard. They're very bright, intelligent folks. And, mm-hmm. um, they're a lot of them were, were techs and, and involved in direct patient care first, similar to, similar to myself. I worked in cardiology for 10 years before I went to it. So, um, it's a lot of folks that they have that, that, that passion for delivering good quality patient care, yeah. um, and being there for the patients that, that we serve, uh, with our, with our healthcare facility. And so they, they pour a lot into their jobs and uh, making the system do what it needs to do and uh, making it safe. And uh, yeah, anyway, 
Yeah, well, you, you got on the, in on the techno wave early. You recognized it and jumped yeah. in. Yeah, we were in the process of implementing uh, the inpatient epi team, and I, I was kind of like at a crossroads. I'd kind of like maxed out with what I could do within the cardiology world with, with the degree that I had and um, had applied for one position, and, and that door closed, rightfully so. They they hired someone else for the position that was certainly may, way more qualified than than I was. And uh, anyway, I just I, I saw this like job posted that they were looking for, uh, some folks to go over to the IT side that had clinical experience mm-hmm. and and a little bit of Epic. Epic is the EHR that we use, the electronic health record that we use. And so I was I was kind of intrigued by it. Um, definitely paid a little bit more, which also helped. And so I, I I applied and didn't have any idea what I was getting into. And it ultimately had become such a great career for me. Yeah. And uh, went had an interview and uh, got off got offered the job like right on the spot and uh, took it and uh, kind of the rest is history just kind of learned uh, learned a system as I went they were really looking for folks that could talk the the clinical talk right, right? they yeah. could go and they could have a good conversation with docs and physician right. assistants and nurses and the other clinical staff and translate it to what it meant the e the HR the electronic health record had to do yeah uh, and to, to help them do to do their job yeah, the electronic health record, the system we use is called Epic, as he mentioned, and it's supposed to be designed uh, to make providers' uh, job easier. But for me, they just get more in the way. But, you know, that's just the way it goes. That's all the government stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Trust you get me, the, the EHR job. that we would want to implement is far different if right. we didn't have to Oh, we could check a lot of boxes the, by sticking the government check boxes, yeah. right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, those things that, don't get me wrong, you know, like, uh, you know, one life or, you know, or one bad event is, is a bad thing, right. That happens mm-hmm. to a patient. But so, so often in the EHR world and in the healthcare world, you know, like one, one thing happens out of a million mm-hmm. that has like a negative impact. And we got to totally reinvent the system in some way to prevent it from ever happening again, right. Like one in a yeah. millionth time. And so, you know, we put in these like hard stops and these alerts and we, we kind of, make it idiot, idiot proof. Sorry, right. not trying to call you an idiot as a oh, healthcare yeah. provider. Right. But yeah. you know, we put all these little check boxes in to keep it from happening again. And anyway, it gets, it gets in, it gets in a way for all those other 999,999 times yeah. that the doc's going to do the right thing. Yeah. And that's a, that's a, uh, a, a thing that, Oh my Lord, I'm not going to remember the name of the book I read, but anyway, um, or the title of it. But uh, basically if you're trying to smooth out all the little tiny bumps in the road, when the big bump comes, it's devastating. And uh, and I worry that we do that too much, yeah. you know. But anyway, that's a separate yeah. topic. It's also used to drive too much billing. At, at yeah, times oh, as well, yeah, but absolutely. Yeah, there's all kinds of things you could dump in the ER. I was always jealous when I'd go to conferences and, like, training sessions on the software, and I'd be there with folks from, like, Europe yeah. <laughs> you know, and other, other European countries that, like... Yeah, the instructor would be like, okay, now we're going to talk about the billing piece of the module they and just how leave. we trigger all the charges. That like, you folks from wherever, you can just quit paying attention. It's right, like, yeah. dang it, son of a gun. Like, <laughs> the system's so much simpler for them. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Uh, F3 uh, at its core is a leadership development program. Uh, being a part of F3, has it helped you as a leader at your job? Yeah, definitely would say yes. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's helped me, I think, with awareness like being more in tune to my employees, their, their needs, their, their, their struggles, uh, trying to be more intentional in conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, and I think some of that comes from what you, what you get from queuing a workout, right? Yeah. Because what you're trying to lead, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, you're trying to make sure that everybody's doing the right thing. No one's confused. No one's doing the wrong thing. 
oh, and this guy over here, he's way behind. How am I going to get him caught back up and make right. him be part of the group? Yeah. And so all this adjustments on the fly and like just those observation skills and ad- adjusting on the fly has really helped me, I think, a lot just in you know managing my team, but just managing projects in general. Still got a lot, to, a lot to learn. Well, maybe not a lot to learn. I think it's, it's still an extreme challenge because as with anything, you know, they expect you to do more and more with less and less. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I think the big thing too is I, I take a lot of pride in the fact that employees I think are really comfortable coming to me mm-hmm. no matter what it is, whether approachable. it's work issues. Yeah. yeah. Approachable would be the, I guess the best word to use. Um, uh, you know, I'm truly one of those folks that doors always open, always had my desk facing that my back's not to the door. Right. I always wanted my desk to be open. I'm facing someone comes to my door. I see them right away. As long as they bring you coffee and can invite them in, uh, not coffee, tandy cakes, um, <laughs> chips, uh, cherry Coke. Yeah. Uh, chocolate covered animal. Hey, who provides you with cherry Coke? Any of those things. Yeah, that's right. I got cherry Coke here. That's right. But, uh, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's helped me in that way as well. I think to just yeah. to, to see other folks needs and, and, you know, even if I'm having a crappy day or I got a day when I got so much else to do that I need to do for my own, you know, if someone comes to my door, someone message, you know, today, since we all work remote, you know, if someone pings me online and says, Hey, you got to admit the chat, yeah. you know, no matter how busy I am, you know, folks know that I'm, I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Uh, it can be a detriment at times, right. For me, sure. Getting my own work done, but, um, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's just classic. You put others before yourself and yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's what I we're gotta, taught, right? It we're means taught. I got to stay a little bit later to get my work done, uh, or put in some extra hours. So be it. Um, yeah. you know, I got to, got to be there for my folks. Yeah, it's biblical, but it's also part of F3's teaching to live third and be a servant leader. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So let's, so, uh, let me ask you this. I've never asked a question, this Uh question to any guest yet. Uh Um, because you're part of our packs, it's, it's, it's more interesting to me. (laughs) So what, uh, is there, let's leave out the, uh, iron packs challenge. Okay. Leave that out. Outside of that, is there any one workout that really stands out to you that you really remember that you, that you, that you like the most or that made an impact or whatever? Leaving out the iron packs challenge. This is a tough question. Cause I don't know if I'd be able to answer it. Yeah. Huh? Really tough. Maybe not hard, but you know, anything yeah, that stands I'm out. I'm trying to, to think. I, I think maybe one that stands out is like the first time that you did the accumulator. Oh, the accumulator. Yeah. 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 You know, I think that was a, that was a pretty tough work and, and that's, that's like an iron packs type. You of, said that's iron packs challenge yeah. worthy. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah. that's, that's the term we use, right? right if yeah. someone leads a workout that's hard. Yeah. at the end, it's like, yeah, that was iron packs worthy. Yeah. yeah. So I think, I think that's probably the first one that comes to mind. I'm sure there's others that I'm forgetting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd have, I would have a hard time uh, answering that question yeah. myself, but I thought I'd bring it up. We, I had one more recently that I, that I queued that ended up being way harder than I thought it was going to be. Like it sounded like, was oh, that yeah. the Emom? No, right. that was, that was tough too, but no, we, uh, we went, it was one, it was a Wednesday over the summer cause I know beach ball was there and uh, I forget who else was there. Uh, but anyway, we, I took cones of different, like three different colors over to the big hill in front of the hospital. Uh-huh. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. I put all the cones at the bottom. I was not there for that, but I, yeah, heard I put it. all the cones at the bottom and the rules were pretty simple. Like you, you picked up a cone and if it was a white cone, you ran with it up the hill. And, and if it was a orange cone, you had to bear crawl with it up the hill. Mm-hmm. And if it was a yellow cone, you had to um, crawl bear up the hill. Mm-hmm. And the goal was like, once you stopped, and caved into fatigue mm-hmm. you you put the cone down where it was and you ran back down to the bottom of the hill 
And if there was a cone down there, you, you picked up another cone or if another cone had made its way partway up the hill. Anyway, you, you ran back down to the bottom mm-hmm. and at some point on your trip back up, you would, you had to grab another cone. Right. And then you had to advance that cone through the same means. And we just did it over and over and over again until we got all the cones to the top of the hill. Yeah. In, in theory and in my head, it seemed like a pretty, like not an easy workout, but yeah. like a, a moderate workout. But right. buddy, by the, by the end, it, it was a, it was a grinder. It yeah. was a grinder. The hill was a little longer than, than we thought. It's a good hill. Yeah, yeah. It was a good hill. So that's the other one that stands out. But I, I definitely, I think the, the accumulator would be the, the, the one that stands out the most. I Maybe think you should do that again. It's been a while. I, I've been trying to focus on. Do we need I, to tell them, I guess, what the accumulator is. I don't remember oh, the exact yeah. exercises, right? But. It was, yeah, it, I'd have to go back and look at the exercises. But basically, we started with 15. I think I did man makers the first time I did it. I think it was man makers. Sounds right. I do 15 man makers. And then know. we had a small loop in the parking lot because this was wintertime. So we were out, we're yeah. out in the field. Um, and the, the loop is what, like 0.18 miles or Something 0.2 like miles? Yeah. So it's less, a little less than a quarter mile. So you had to do the 15 man makers, run a quarter mile or run the loop. Then you do the 15 man makers and then and plus 25, whatever the next exercise right. was. Run the loop. Then 15 man makers, 25 or whatever. Then And I just kept going up all the way. To, I think it was, we got to either 200, 100 or 100, 200. I think it was like 200 sit-ups or yeah, something two, like Yeah, that. something like, big. It was something crazy. Yeah. And uh, and when you completed it all. You started back down. If you had a start over, start back down until the six was in. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a tough one. Yeah, I didn't walk straight for a couple of days after that one. <laughs> <laughs> I have it on my phone. I, maybe we should just repeat it. We should do it sometime. I'll save it for the winter time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah, that was good. I actually found that somewhere. So I had I it wasn't my original idea, but they didn't do exactly what I'd done, but that was the concept and accumulation of exercise. I'm gonna do that. Yep. It was good. Yeah, it was good. Um what's your least favorite exercise? Least you know, <laughs> it's the most basic one that we do. Freaking Merkins, dude. I don't know why. <laughs> you don't like Merkins. I can do Merkins galore even like the may challenge thing that we yeah. did like you know we were doing hundreds and hundreds of merkins a day i don't know what it is my body just does not respond don't like the merkins to the training of the merkins like yeah. you would think like as many merkins as i do i would have improved a lot in yeah. the two years of two and a half years i guess now that, that i've been doing f3 I, st- I st- it's still my weak spot like even though I, I i do a lot of them yeah like it's still just a weak spot for me and like i just haven't seen progress so yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether I'm just uh, anatomically. Uh, I have like a, a, a pre preposition or no pre predisposition predisposition. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah. Uh, I had to find my right term. Predisposition to uh, like an an anatomical glitch. We well, used to do. Pre- you still did pretty <laughs> well with it. It's not with. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm not. Yeah. Maybe it's I set the bar. I'm I'm too competitive, right? I see Porky's. Well, and, you're looking for progress beach in beach ball. That yeah, and I, yeah, I just I don't see the progress that I I would yeah. think that I would should see for as much as I do them. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm surprised. I didn't expect you to pick that. I didn't know what you were going to pick, but I, I didn't know you were going to pick that. Yeah. That's interesting. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Maybe you should borrow some testosterone. Can't from think of anything. Can't think of anything else <laughs> that I truly despise. Yeah, that's probably that's probably it. Not murder bunnies. Yeah, they're okay. They're okay. I don't mind yeah. those. I love bear crawling. Yeah, you know, obviously running, Bonnie Blair, like all that leg stuffs. Yeah, right. easy, easy peasy planking. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'd, it's like I said, I, 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 plain and simple. I'd, I guess I'd have to go with Merkins. Yeah, yeah. Dial up some. Uh, he's a gazelle, not a Clydesdale, but little. But he's but he still kicks button. Yeah, slightly, so you were slightly best. overweight, uh, zoo fed gazelle. Let's go with that. <laughs> Well, you know, you gotta, you, you can't out king your queen. 
Running into, but you're still, you're still. I'm not foraging for my food. That's listen, he's still in great shape. Okay, folks, uh, but we're doing fine. Um, all right, uh, two more questions. So one is maybe three. I don't know. I, I think of them as I go. Okay, it's all whatever good. the Lord lays on my heart. It's all good. So uh, and I try not to think too much about your typical questions because I don't yeah, want to. You be, know what's coming. I don't want to be unfair and right. like I had time to think about any of them. So okay. I've tried to purposely not think about them That's today. Whatever, however you're in a roll, man. So um, if you were to pick somebody. You know this question, and yeah. whoever in the past, whatever that's your uh, inspiration, your idol, whatever hero, who would that be? So, I did think about this one just a little bit, and uh, you know, if I had to pick, you know, someone that I think, like from a leadership perspective, mm-hmm. you know, I think guys like Abraham Lincoln uh, would, mm-hmm. would would probably be my first pick, just because of his leadership and through such a well, it was divisive, you know, for our country, but, you know, we often talk about, you know, just there's those turning points in, in your life, right. That you can have such a vastly different outcome if you went one direction versus another. Mm-hmm. And to think about that with our, with our country and what it was going through at the time of that he was, that he was in charge and leading us uh, and how he led us through that. I, 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 I think he's pretty special, but if I were to just to pick a person, um, for for no other reason than I than than just wanting to sit and talk to him, yeah, I would have to say my grandfather on my mother's side. Oh wow! Um, because he passed away uh, while I was in my mom's womb. Actually, um, she was just uh, a few months away from having me, and uh, had a had a massive heart attack and and keeled over to, at a relatively young age. And you know, I just hear a lot of a lot of cool stories, yeah, uh, just about him. Just a a, a good classic hardworking man uh, yeah. of that era. And, uh, you know, I always just feel a little deprived that I never got a chance to, to meet him. So I'd, yeah. I'd love to have the opportunity just to sit down and talk to my, talk to my grandfather. That's cool. That I never met. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. You and dread with Abraham Lincoln though. That was who dread picked. Did, oh yeah. I yeah. guess he did. Yeah. I was thinking he was George Washington, but I guess he was. No, Abraham that was, killing me somebody who picked somebody i know you're you're recently. george washington right but no that's not who i would pick that uh, i he's one of them i mean i have a number of guys that, that i would pick but the number one for me would be jesus yeah well yeah that's it i know mean, that's that's number one that's a that's a cop-out answer in some ways right i know why well, yeah i thought about that i thought well that's well of course yeah, everybody said no well for me yeah no it's true that's it he yeah. lived he was a man he yeah. walked around yeah. uh you know he's it's I, I can't pick a better example than that so that's why yeah. i try to Try. John the Baptist, Paul. And, oh my gosh, to talk to Paul <laughs> would be amazing. Yeah, you know the other guy I'd like to talk to. I mean, a lot of guys I'd like to talk to. I'd like to talk to Adam. Oh, I was going to say Job. I want to. I want to. You know, <laughs> I'd like to talk to Adam and see. Just talk to him. I want to see what it looked like. He was like the perfect guy, right? Yeah. I also want to know how Eve looked. I guess I could talk to Eve, <laughs> but because um, uh, perfect woman, you know, what yeah. does that look like? Uh, so, but the other ones would be like uh, Enoch. Right. Enoch, not too many people know about this dude. He just was no more. He just was, he walked with God and then God just took him. Yeah. You didn't have to die. God just said, come on. Whoop. Like, yeah. That's amazing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Paul would be one. David, King David. We've done, stuff that, that, I've always said that should be like, you know, you have those workouts, right? Where someone just disappears. I would, yeah. like, I think that should be in the, uh, call it, an Enoch. <laughs> it should be called an Enoch. I, I, I've used that term before. Yeah. I think I've even put it in back blast where yeah. like someone pulled an Enoch and he was and no just more. Went, like, you turn around like, we're, where did Where'd Where'd go? He, go? <laughs> <laughs> he just snuck away. Yeah, he just, he, just he, he was no more. Yeah, no, so many guys I like to talk. But George Washington is, uh, as far as you know, say, non-biblical uh, people, uh, George Washington would be right up there for me. Yeah, 
I like Abe too. Um, here's another question for you. Okay. Most proudest achievement. What would that be? Oh boy, proudest achievement. Yeah. You can't say getting married or have your kids. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I'll leave you off the hook. That's what that. I was going to say. Yeah. Son of a gun. Yeah, I'll leave you off the hook with that. Proudest achievement, having kids, raising kids. You can't say any of those things. Um, boy. Spielberg can cut out the awkward science. Silence, right? <laughs> uh, no, he doesn't need to do that. That's you know, okay. To me, proudest achievement, I think, is just, um, just I, I, I would hope folks feel that I'm a, a I'm a good friend. Oh wow. Um, you know, I take I take a lot of pride in just being there for my my brothers uh, and folks whenever they need need me. Yeah. Whatever that might be. Yeah. You know, just to help with something at their house. You know. Yeah, I had a friend call the other day. Hey, can you come down and just help me put some trim up around the door? Because he's not yeah. a real handy guy. Yeah, like, um, you know, I, I like being that kind of that kind of friend that someone calls you and just in a in a time of need. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had some friends just reach out when they were going through some really tough tough times in life, and I just had the blessing to to help them them through yeah. those difficult times. And you know, some long discussions, sitting and talk with them, and you know, just just being that kind of person that. Uh, folks reach out to you in those those times of needs. I think is an accomplishment that I'm. That's awesome. Pretty proud of, yeah. but but humble about as well. So I, I kind of feel bad even mentioning it during the podcast. Well, no, that's okay because it's what makes you a high impact man. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned trying to be approachable for people at work. I mean, that's what you're talking about here. You have just a heart for people. I know you're a hopeless romantic. And, uh, <laughs> I'm a I'm a softy. Yeah, you are for yeah. sure. And uh, my wife. <laughs> She, she, are you crying? <laughs> He's crying again. Out there. Are you crying again? <laughs> and uh, yeah, you've seen me, right? I've started talking about things in the circle of trust. Yeah. yeah, I can't, I can't hold it in. Yeah. Uh, proud papa, you know, proud, proud husband. Uh, family means a ton to me. And uh, yeah. Yeah, this is that's what makes Just you high pick, man. Listen, bit guys, of a softy. You people listening out there, if you don't know this guy's heart by now, this is why he's a high impact man. And you know what? It's like, you know, you don't have to have some story of some tragedy you overcame. Uh, that's awesome that guys have done that. We've guys had those guys on our podcast and they're definitely high impact men or, you know, starting some kind of movement or whatever. Um, there's so many guys out there just doing the right thing every day, loving their wives, taking care of their families, trying to be a positive impact in their communities. That's a high impact man. And I'm not saying that you're less than any of those other guys because, uh, I, I think this interview has proven that, uh, you're truly a high impact man uh, doing all those things. So the last question. Yeah, well, for, first, yeah. if you interviewed my wife, she, she'd be happy to point out my shortcomings. Absolutely. And she they're would. true. She's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't you hate it when she tells you high impact it's men like, yeah. are not perfect. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, honey. I know you're spot on with my weaknesses. We are still a work in progress. Yeah. Which, eventually. Which is what makes us high impact. Men, that's right? right. She'll get me trained. Yeah. All right. Listen, Bristol. He's awesome. <laughs> All right, so uh, last question. Okay. Is it the usual one? The usual. This is your chance to speak to the men of America. What's your message for the men of America? All right, so I, I lied. I did try and think a little bit about this one, um, what I would say. And, you know, part of it's a challenge because I've heard so many guys that, that have sat here, you know, in the chair or mm -hmm. we've had on Zoom, and I've heard them share such a great message. And, uh, you know, so, like, uh, I'm walking around the house today, and I'm kind of pondering it as I, was, as I was making some lunch. And, for me, it came down to, you know, I see a sign and it's so simple and it's, uh, you know, it's that trendy little sign that it probably is in so many people's homes that just says live, laugh and love. 
Oh boy. Okay. Right? Yeah. I live, laugh and love. And it's just, it's three simple words. Um, but mean so much, right. Yeah. You know, live, uh, for me, that comes down to the fact that, you know, so many people wait to start living when they're dying mm. or they've been told, Hey, you got cancer. Right. Right. It's like, Oh, son of a gun. I'm only going to live for three years. I got to really live life for the right. next three years as hard as I can go. Right. Yeah. Um, or, you know, some other midlife crisis triggers them. Um, when in reality, like, you know, from the minute we're born, we're on this downward spiral of physical death mm-hmm. here on earth. You know, we, we know, well, uh, as believers, we, right. we, you know, feel we've, we've got eternal life and that we're just going to move on to a, a much better place. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, physically here on this earth, like, you know, from the minute we're born, we're, we're, we're marching towards death slowly, but surely. Right. Yeah. Uh, live, live, live like you're dying because you are, mm. uh, no matter what your age, no matter what stage of life you're in. So live life to the fullest, you know, take on challenges, go do different things. Don't, don't live a boring life. Don't, don't waste minutes. Don't waste hours doing just stupid stuff. And, and again, I say this, I, I'm guilty of, you know, getting sucked into watching the TV for hours and stupid Netflix series and stuff like that and wasting time. But it's not a waste of time to watch Cobra Kai. True, Cobra Kai is different, but I got, <laughs> I got watching a stupid Dahmer show, and it's like this, oh, dude, this guy's I can't like watch crazy that. and yeah. freaking sick. Yeah. Uh, but uh, now, just you know, live life like you know, it's it's gone. Uh, you're you know, it's a it's a blink of an eye, right? And yeah. uh, but a vapor, and uh, whew, it's it's over and gone with. So live, live life, you know, to its fullest. Uh, laugh is the other part of that, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, a wise man once said, "Learn to laugh at yourself because you'll provide a lifetime." of entertainment, entertainment yeah. right so <laughs> yeah. learn to laugh at yourself learn to just have a great time in life no matter what you're doing enjoy it yeah laugh about stupid things laugh about the ridiculousness of life and things that happen mm-hmm. you know part of me i was you know i was running that race this weekend and before i knew it i got snipered by a rock and i'm yeah, down, he and, went I'm down. Like, and i'm like <laughs> rolling across the ground and like of course i didn't do it out in the middle of nowhere uh where no one could see me it happens it happens whenever i had just uh past somebody and uh, I'm coming into the exchange zone. But, uh, you know, even after it happened, like I, I was, I, I, it hurt like crazy, but I was still laughing about it because it had to be really funny. Yeah. There was, <laughs> we don't have a witness. <laughs> to, to we have to believe dial up for what he says. I he got, got the taken out by a rock. I got the I wounds know. to show it. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. He's got but, road uh, rash. I got some pretty bad road rash, but yeah. like, you know, I'm immediately like laughing at myself because I'm like, that was really freaking stupid and probably looked really funny to see me like literally like probably look like I got sniper. But anyway, so live, laugh, whatever it might be, you know, enjoy life, have a good time. Don't take life too seriously. Like laugh about things, enjoy humor. Um, and then love, you know, greatest commandment, right? What Christ told us to love one another. Yep. Uh, he didn't tell us to love one another. If they think like us, they act like us, they look like us. It was just simply love. Um, and I try and take that to heart and truly just, uh, love my fellow human beings, um, regardless of, who they are, you know, what their political views might be, what right. their, uh, you know, what what kind of lifestyle they're living. I try and love them for who they are. I might still disagree with them. Um, and if the conversation can come up and you can talk about it in a loving, caring way and have a good talk, like, I, like I'll have those conversations and share where I think maybe they're going astray and, and maybe living a life that's not not right. And yeah. feel free. You can do the same to me. I'd I'd, I'd love to have people point yeah. out to me Candor, and tell me when I'm right, going right, yeah. right. But, but to simply just, uh, love folks, you know, to love hard, love your, love your wife with all your heart, love your kids for who they are. Um, they're not 
they're not perfect little angels like you think they are. They've got, they're messed up. We screwed them up as adults, right? As parents, <laughs> uh, but love them for who they are and love, yeah. your, love your friends despite their shortcomings and, and love yourself because, uh, you're, you're far from perfect as well. And you're not nearly as good as, uh, a lot of people might think they're, they are personally, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the great message, live, laugh, love. Yeah. Told to you by a high impact man, uh, <laughs> Who, uh, who shared those, his heart here today. And all those stupid signs hanging around your house. All those right? stupid signs. <laughs> Still, you won't look at another one of those without thinking about, <laughs> oh, upset. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, folks, this is why he's such a high-impact man in our community and in our packs. And I uh, appreciate you being on the on the other side of yeah, the podcast. this is fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. It's it's an honor. Yeah, I love you, brother. Yeah, love you too, man. All right. Knuckle bump. Boom. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I would like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their story of becoming a high-impact man. More information and resources can be found at highimpactman.com. If you like this podcast, please consider following us on our social media pages or email us at him at highimpactman.com. That is H-I-M at highimpactman.com. The High Impact Man podcast has a new episode every week. And you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcast platforms. Have a great week, everyone.